So in all of my preaching classes um, and in any of the books I've read on preaching, um, it's a surprise to some of you. No, I, I actually have read some. Uh, anyway, um, they spend a lot of time telling you about the importance of the introduction. The introduction is supposed to get everyone's attention. Uh, you know, and they, they kind of stress that. So uh, here we go. Uh, may I have your attention, please? Okay. Um, with that out of the way, let's pray. Father, thank you for the way you do call us back when we drift and wander our attention. Whether it's for a moment or whether it's for longer than we'd like to admit. Um, you are always there for us. You are always concerned about us. You always allow us to come back to you. What a great gift that is. I know for myself, I want you to have my attention more and more. Because there are too many times I get caught up in what's going on around me, too many times that I uh, get aggravated by, well, I would like to say by those around me, but it's really by my own expectations and my own my own thoughts and my own desires of the way things should be running. So help me to be more and more aware of you and to walk in, in what that all means, to be walking in you and with you. We've been looking at that as we've been looking at Colossians, and um, I'm challenged. I, I'm challenged and reminded of, well, more than I'd like to say, that I, 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 I'm not walking in you as I should. So teach us from your word. Thank you for the time we have together in it. And may you be glorified as you use your word in our lives, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. The message will actually start in verse 4, uh, verses 4 through 8. And even this morning as I was going over it again, and I thought, well, that's a really odd place to end, but um, unless you want to be here till 1 o'clock and then go down to eat, we, we'll need to stop at verse 8. Um, but once again, to get the flow of things, we need to back up. I'm going to back up to the beginning of the chapter. So uh, from verse 1, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 is where I'm going to start reading. And that will take us into where the verses, uh, it will help us with the focus of the verses today. Because again, these aren't separated. This is all part of God's word. So follow along, uh, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, for those in Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me in person. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Now, as we were looking at this last week, you know, it's really drawing our attention to knowing Christ, drawing our attention to following Christ. Today, as we continue, it's with those thoughts in mind. So verse 4, I am saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. For I may be absent in body, but I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see how well-ordered you are and the strength of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. 
Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Now, we are going to stop there, and again, it's a little bit of an awkward place to stop, but next week we're going to pick up with some of these verses and keep on running. But verse 4, look, notice verse 4. You know, he's telling, you know we're told in those, in those first opening verses of, of the chapter to draw close to Christ, live in Christ, grow in your knowledge and understanding, you know, grow in his knowledge, he says, so that no one will deceive you. So he, you know, he wants us to, to be strong, to be strengthened, to, you know, to grow so that no one will deceive you. Now, that word deceived, uh, it means to reason falsely, to deceive someone by reasoning. You see, to deceive someone by reasoning, uh, you know, don't follow the advice of anyone who is advising you against Christ. Don't follow the advice of anyone who is advising you against what following Christ who is advising you against what living for Christ looks like, you know, about what that means, about how it's supposed to be. If someone is advising you other than that, don't do it. You know, don't, don't be a part of that. Now, a big part of how you, how you do this, you know, that, that you're careful, is so that you grow in the knowledge of Christ. That's what he was talking about, and that's what he continues to talk about, that as we grow in the knowledge of Christ, then, you know, then it's less likely that you'll be deceived. If you know what the truth is and you walk in the truth, you see, and you live by the truth, then when somebody brings something by that is contrary to that, then you know that. Then you, or even, you know, in, in our, well, you know, in our society, uh, things are, are acceptable that not, are not acceptable to God, but it is in our society. And be real honest with yourself. In our own life, we have some things and we do some things that we really know aren't acceptable to Christ, but we continue in them. He says, don't let anyone deceive you. You know, you grow in your knowledge of Christ. You know, you grow, you, you learn more, you, you read, you understand. You say, well, there's some I don't understand. When you keep reading, quite often, then what you're reading helps you to understand where you are. One of the reasons that we go back and begin reading some of the verses is because you can't just, you can't just grab verses here and there, you know, willy-nilly. And I always wonder who willy-nilly is. But anyway, you can't just grab, you know, you can't just grab them and, and apply them because you're going to live a, a, a real whacked out, you know, relationship with God. You know, there's that understanding of how it fits into what the verses around it say, how it fits into the book, how it fits into the whole of Scripture. You know, and we can't forget about those things. And as you read more, you understand more. You know, you don't get it at first. You know, if, if you do, well, you're a genius and congratulations because most of us don't. You know, but we, we need to understand that. And it's not just the knowing, but it's the doing of it as well. It's the, the living out of what you know following actually following christ better you know every every day i'm always haunted by the words of james you know one of part of what he says but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves i always think of that as you know be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself 
Because if all you do is think, you know, that, okay, then, you know, I have this relationship with God and there's no change in your life, you know, then, then you're deceiving yourself. You know, understand you are included in part of this no one deceiving you. You are included as part of that no one who is to be deceiving you. Don't try to talk yourself into going against what Christ Jesus says in any way. And don't try to talk yourself into it. Don't. You can't blame others. Yesterday, um, Jenny and I were. Um, it was my bride's birthday yesterday. She's a, a young sixty-six. Am I allowed to say that, or should I not tell them that? Okay. We'll block that out on the recording that we post. Um, and so we were going to, uh, we went and met Marcy and Andy and the boys for supper at Biagi's. And uh, one of us got a little carried away with shoveling stone outside. I tried to tell her not to, but she would, uh, wouldn't stop. Uh, anyway, so, um, um, you know, it was just real close on getting ready on time. And we're supposed to be there at 5 o'clock. And at 5 o'clock, we we're still driving. And I told Jenny, I said, if it weren't for these slow people in front of me, I could have gotten there sooner. You know, and, and, and so that person turned and we had another slow person in front of us. See, we like to, we like to talk ourselves into, you know, into things. And I was fully prepared to tell Marcy and Andy that we were late because of these slow people in front of us. And so when they showed up a little later than us, then I was, uh, you know, uh, you know, the, the whole, the whole, we like to, you know, don't deceive yourself. Don't try to talk yourself into doing something. You know, against what Christ says in any way. You know, we like to reason our way into doing what we think we would like to do. And we like to reason our way into that. This is, you know, this is what that word's talking about, deceive. To deceive by false reasoning. Don't reason your way into foolishness. You know, into, 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 he says, he goes on, he says, I'm saying this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments. No one, including yourself, with persuasive arguments, with plausible arguments, with, with things that seem like, King James says, with enticing words. I thought, boy, now there's a picture for you. With enticing words. Um, you ever set a mouse trap? What do you do? Well, you stick cheese, peanut butter, yesterday's sandwich, whatever it is, you know, in that trap. To do what? To entice the mouse to come in. What's the purpose of a mouse trap? Well, I snap that little... I was going to say suckers. I shouldn't say that. You know, here's the picture. You know, here's the picture. You know, those enticing words. Those entice... I'm saying that so no one will deceive you with persuasive arguments, with plausible arguments, so that no one will deceive you with these enticing words. And it signifies using those in contrast to demonstrating a true and fair speech. You know, there's, there's the contrast for you there. The intent is to deceive. The intent is to, to mislead, to accomplish a particular end. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's not where the true facts would lead you to. Where, you know, if you had all those, it is bent, it is slanted toward a particular conclusion. Those, you know, what is plausible, enticing words. To bend you towards, towards that, what, what, you know, what seems, here's the conclusion. Now let me drive you to that conclusion. 
instead of looking and, and, and listening to what it really says. Be careful. Be careful who you choose to follow. And you're choosing it. You're choosing it. You know, no, I'm not. They, they made me mad. They didn't make you mad. You chose to be mad. We don't like that, but that's the reality. You chose to be mad. They may not have met your expectations, uh, you know, anything. And I tell Jenny this all the time. You chose to be mad. It's not my fault. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's that, that choice we make on how we're going to respond to something. Well, but they, it's your choice of how they're going to respond to, but they said, it's your choice. I'm not saying what they did is right, and I'm not saying what they, you know, what they did is a good thing. And it may not be, but it is still your choice of how you're going to respond to that. Now, if that makes you mad, well, that's your choice. Um, you know, but we need to be careful who we're going to choose to follow. And he goes on, you know, verse 5, you know, even Paul had never been with these people face to face. You know, he wrote and he lived, he wrote and he lived with their best interest in mind. He never saw them. Uh, he goes in verse 5, he says, I am with you in spirit. Now, you know, being with someone in spirit is more, it's more than simply saying, well, I'm with you in spirit. Oftentimes, you know, we'll say, well, I'm, I'm with you in spirit because what, what we mean by this is uh, I, I'm with you, but I, I, I don't want that to be public. You know, I'm with you in spirit because you see, I don't want anyone else to know that. Uh, or, or what we're saying is, you know, you go ahead, uh, but I really don't want to get involved. I'm with you in spirit because I really, I, I really just don't want to get involved. You know, or, or, you know, I'm with you in spirit because, you know, I, uh, I'm with you, but I, I just really don't want to do the work. That's involved, you see. And, and that's how we use it. Uh, that's not how Paul's using it. Because remember what he said back in verse 1. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you. Because he was putting forth great effort. He was, he was willing to be inconvenienced. He was willing to be known as their companion. He was willing to identify with them. He was putting forth the work. So when he says, I'm with you in spirit, he wasn't just saying words. He was communicating to them and reminding them that I am putting this forth there. You know, they were living for the same spiritual goals. What it says there, verse 2, verse 3, says understanding and, you know, understanding, the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ and in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And he's rejoicing here to see how they were growing in Christ and how strong their faith was. You know, he says how well-ordered, how disciplined they were. You know, and he says, and the strength, firmness, stability of their faith in Christ. The word, that word refers to that which has been made firm. That which an effort has been put forth to be made firm. I like the way the New American Standard words it. It says, rejoicing to see your, to see your orderly manner and the stability of your faith in Christ. You see, they're made firm. They put forth effort and time to grow in their faith and time to grow in their knowledge of Christ. What, this is just, you know, just between you and God uh, for you to think about and talk to Him about what Effort have you put forth this last week to grow in him? How much time have you put forth to grow in him? With what intent, with what intent did you live this week in order to grow in him? In order to be stabilized in him? 
You know, in, in order in order to have that here, you know, they, they put forth they put forth that effort, they put forth that time, you know, to to see your the, the your orderly manner and the stability of your faith in Christ. You don't get to be stable by just bumbling through life. You know, you don't. You put in. We need to put in real effort. We need to put forth intentional time. To grow in our faith and knowledge in Christ. Real effort and intentional time. You're not going to find the time. Well, I hope I can find it. You're not going to find the time. You're not going to make the time because you can't make time. What you need to do is take the time. You take it from something else. Well, I can't do that. Well, you do it for everything else. You do it for everything else. Just let me do a real quick survey. Would anybody rather do something different tomorrow than go to work? Any, anybody? Anybody at all? But you're going to take the time and go to work. Why? Well, because you want to pay bills and you want to eat. You see, you take the time. You take. You you set aside that time to you know intentionally and on purpose do things. Sometimes that maybe that you might not even want to do, because you realize the end result is worth it. Take the time, take the time to put in real effort, intentional time to grow in your faith and knowledge in Christ. I guarantee you it will be worth it. It it, it is. He goes on, he says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him. You see, if you claim to have a relationship with, with Christ Jesus, if you claim to, if you say that He is your Savior, then that should be obvious in your living. When He says, walk in Him. That it should be obvious in your living. Obvious in how you go through each day. Walk in Him. In your regular, everyday living. As you walk in Him. You know, that you are reflecting His character in the things you do. You are ref- you are reflecting his character in the things you say. You know, you, you are encouraging others. These are some of the things he told us about. You know, and you're encouraging others. You're living lives that lead others away from sin, not into sin. You're being watched. Here we go. Be ready. You're being watched. I've told you before, you are the very best Christian some people know. For some, you might be the only Christian some of those people know. And you're being watched. Because you see, when you have something that, that they don't, and they see that they begin to see the stability in your life, um, you know, it... They want to know what, how, why. You know, um, the whole thing. Live your life as Christ would live your life. You know, live your life as He would. Given, given your circumstances, given your situation, what would Jesus do? In, you know, in the, how would He live your life? 
if you had the circumstances you had, you know, and had the life, you know, the, 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 the place you are, how would he live that life? How would he, how would he, you know, respond to the neighbors? How would he respond to the person driving too slow in front of you? How would he respond to, you know, to the person who, who's irritating and aggravating? How would he respond to the person who's in need? How, you know, how would, how would he live your life? Given the circumstances that you're in, you know, how would Christ live your life? You say, well, I don't know how he would. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You say, I, I don't know how he, you know, I don't know what he would do. Yes, you do. It's not that complicated. You know, it's really not that complicated. Most often you do know, you just don't want to do it. You know, if you truly don't know what he would do, that gives you the opportunity for growth. It gives you the opportunity to grow in your faith by studying and learning what he would do. But most often you do know. Use what you already do know about him. You know, he wouldn't lie, cheat or steal. We already know that. You know that he put others first. You know that he came to serve and not to be served. You know that he didn't see any service as beneath him. He washed his disciples' feet for crying out loud. That was the lowest thing. That was the lowest dude on the totem pole there. That was lower than the beginner. We know these things about him. So start there. Begin with what you do know and grow to learn more. Quit saying, I don't know what he would do. Yes, you do. And begin with those things you do know and grow so that you'll learn more. You have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. Well, you might say, well, I already blew it. You know, I, uh, I really messed up this week. Maybe even this morning. You know, I've already messed up this morning. You know, I've already blown it. The thought goes on into verse 7. You know, in verse 6, he said, walk in him, verse 7, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. This speaks of being deeply rooted. This, this, this speaks of being securely rooted you know, in there. Roots grow deep and roots grow wide. You know, they, they, they do both, you know, they do both of those things. And the roots allow for greater growth. The roots allow for, you know, for stability. They bring stability. He says, established in the faith, strengthened, you know, established, strengthened, increasingly becoming more and more established. That takes time. I remember when I had first come into relationship with Christ and watching, you know, some of the other folks in our church or in our Bible study. And I thought, man. I want to be like that. It takes time. It takes time to get rooted and established. And this is what he's talking about here. We have a tree in our backyard we refer to as uh, Caleb's tree. And we refer to it that way because when um, Caleb was in third grade, three and a half years ago, he got this skinny little stick that was about 15 inches long. And I planted it in, in, in the backyard. And over the last three and a half years, it has grown to be about 15 feet tall. It's, it's just a really, you know, and we really, really like it. It's the trunk now, instead of being pencil thin, is about three inches in diameter. When we had that second windstorm blow through not too long ago, um, you know, at the, during the summer, we were, we were home. 
And I was in the back, and I was, well, I was looking out the back windows. I was in the house. But I'm watching this tree, Caleb's tree. Because, man, like all the other ones, it is blowing and whipping. And, you know, it is just, you know. As I'm watching it, this tree bent over at a 90-degree angle, about two feet off the ground. And I thought, oh, man, is it, you know. We're losing Caleb's tree. I didn't want to. It never broke. It bent over and it was blowing around, you know, and it, it's, it, it's fighting the wind. When a tree is, it, it's fighting against, it's fighting to survive against that wind. But it was blown over at 90 degrees and I thought, oh man, you know, it's still, it's whipping back and forth while it's on the ground. The roots held. And the wind slowed down, you know, and eventually stopped, and that tree slowly came back up again. And if you looked at it now, you would never know that that tree was beat down like that. When we got the snow what, a couple weeks ago, week and a half, whatever it was, when we got that snow, which was, just seemed like a cruel trick. But um, we have some river birch planted out by the side of our house. And I looked out there, and there's, there's um, like four or five, not stalks, you know, trunks. They're not really trunks yet, but, you know, four or five of them, they're in, in clumps. I looked out there, every single one of those were bent over and touching the ground. And I told Jenny, I said, oh, doesn't look good for the river birch. You know, and, uh, but then, you know, the next day, if you recall, you know, the next day wasn't exactly warm, you know, the snow kind of stuck around a little bit still. Well, I kept checking on it, and one by one, those branches all came back up. And by the end of the day, they were, you know, they, it was all standing back up there again. So it says, rooted and built up in him. It is worded as continually built up in him. An ongoing, never-ending process of growth and strengthening. You know, that you are rooted and built up and continually doing what you can to be built up in him. So you didn't do well, you know, on walking with Christ this past week or maybe even this morning. Today's a new day. Get back up. Get back up and keep getting back up. You know, so you struggled. Get back up and keep getting back up. You know, don't, you don't lose until you stop. Don't stop. Keep getting back up. Continually, continually built up in Him. You know, get up and walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith just as you were taught. Begin again. You know, begin again as many times as you need to. Begin doing what you already know. You know, begin doing those things. Learn to be strengthened by what you went through. Don't waste that opportunity. Be strengthened by what you go through. Get back up. Get back up and walk in Him. Walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, 
overflowing with gratitude. Some of the translations say abounding with thanksgiving. You know, I, I just, I, I like that picture, you know, overflowing, abounding. The word means to exceed a fixed measure. You know, to exceed that, that fixed measure. I was gonna, you know, I, I was gonna get, I was gonna set something up here, you know, for one illustration and I didn't, so just picture it in your mind anyway. You know, that you're, you're pouring, you're pouring something, you're pouring it into that, what we're used to do, what we're used to doing, you don't, you don't pour anything until it overflows. You just pour it till the top and you stop. This says overflowing, abounding, that it keeps going in and it, and it's, it's, it can't be contained. It's so much that it can't be contained. It keeps coming. Oh, you know, and that, that's the picture. You know, that's the, that's the picture that he gets here. Overflowing, abounding, exceeding that fixed measure. You know, that's how we use the word, you know, the, the, the same way. Something's overflowing. It's, it exceeds the capacity of what it can hold or contain. Overflowing with gratitude. Hmm. Gratitude focuses on what we have, not on what we're, we think we're missing. You see, gratitude realizes more and more what, you know, helps us to see, you know, what is there, not what isn't there. I need to be more grateful. There's no question in my mind. I need to be great, more grateful for what I have in Christ and less consumed with what I don't have. Oh. This is a battle. Because you know what all advertising is geared toward? To make you unhappy with what you don't have. Have. Ginny and I enjoy looking at houses, you know, not to move. We're not planning on moving at all. We're very grateful for what we have. So yesterday, um, we were coming up, what was the name of it? West Hamilton. We were going down Jefferson uh, and had to go to her school her schools on the corner of West Hamilton and Covington. So we were coming up West Hamilton. If you've not driven up those, all right, if you have a problem with envy, don't do this. Uh, but, you know, if you just want to see some really cool places, uh, drive up from Jefferson, drive north on West Hamilton. And, um, you know, it's hill, it's hills for Indiana. You know, it's not flat. You know, and it goes up and it goes around and these houses and uh, you know, you, you think by where we live, it looks like you're driving by, you know, in addition because it has a nice stone things and iron gates and all this stuff. Some really cool places, you know, and, and we were driving by and I said to Jenny, boy, if we had millions of dollars, it could be fun to live out here. You see, we can begin to look at what we don't have. And all of a sudden, we're dissatisfied with what we do have. You know, don't, don't do that. Be grateful for what you have and less consumed with what you don't have. Because I know people, you know people, and, um, who are driven to get fill-in-the-blank. 
new car, new house, new shoes, new whatever, you know, whatever. Uh, I asked you before, do we really need one more pair of shoes? And all the women said yes. You know, they... That wasn't a sexist remark at all. The, um, you know, but, but do we really need, you know, you could ask me, do, we, do you really, do you really need an, an, another d- d- table saw? Well, I, I do, I, once I get this other one, it'll be fine because it'll be the other two I had. And I got this other one and I wanted this, this other one because it was, did something a little different than the first one. So I gave that one to Peter and I got that one. And so now I see this other one that I really want. And so I'm going to give this one to Mandy. And then I got, you see what we do? And we, you know, we begin to want and we begin to grab and we begin to connive and we begin to deceive ourselves into thinking, you know, that, that we need, that we need more of this stuff. I need to be more grateful for what I have in Christ, less consumed with what I don't have. And you know what? As I grow, I will find that I am overflowing with gratitude. Because gratitude comes as I'm rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just like it says. My level of gratitude or lack of gratitude, it will tell me how well, it will tell me how well I am rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Or how far I need to go yet. Verse 8, he says, be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. Based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. Most of the other translations start out this verse as, see to it. I like that. It puts the onus on us. That whole thing of of growing and being built up. See to it. Work toward this. It's a word that means to discern, to, to perceive by use of the eyes. You know, and in both translations, they, they indicate that we need to be, you know, we need to be intentionally putting forth some effort to be discerning. You know, we need to intentionally put effort into being discerning, you know, to be discerning in who or what influences us. We need to see that we need to be careful, as it says, you know, be discerning, careful. To see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit. No one takes you captive. The word means to carry off. To carry off as spoil or, or booty. You know, to, to, to carry that, that off as one who is a captive or a slave. Uh, you know, it, it, there's the picture. It's to be, you know, to be led away from truth and to be subject to someone's sway. That's what it means. Be discerning about who or what influences you. Notice it says through philosophy and empty deceit. Uh, that mean, that, that's a phrase. It means the, the words mean the, the love of knowledge. It means to cheat, to deceive, to beguile. It speaks about the intent of you know to mislead people by a slanted view of what's true. A slanted view of what's true. Or by twisting or distorting the truth, as well as outright lies. You can lie with a true statement. You all know that because, don't get your feelings hurt, but you all do it. You know, we lie with a true statement. We only tell part of the truth. You know, or or we tell the convenient truth for us. It's incomplete knowledge because it's based on human wisdom. It's based on human tradition, the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. Human wisdom can only take us so far. 
It can only take us so far. If it, I've told you before, everyone lives by faith. Why? Because human, human reasoning can only take us so far. It can't take us into, those, into, into that area that we can't see, touch, and feel. You know, and it can't take us there. And if you leave God out of your knowledge, if you leave him out of your reasoning, you will always be lacking. You will always be incomplete. You'll still have questions, you know, with the relationship with God. You'll still have questions. You should because you're working and you're growing. But we need to be careful, discerning, and brutally honest because sometimes we're the ones. We are the ones telling ourselves philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. We do that because sometimes we want what we want. And don't confuse me with what's right. Don't confuse me with the truth. Even though we know we shouldn't, you know, even though we already know what God wants. Be careful. Be careful because sometimes what we want is the acceptance of society. We want the acceptance of others we are with. So we do stupid things. About a month before Ginny and I were going to be married... About a month before Ginny and I were going to be married in the ceremony and the wedding we had already planned and the date and the place that we had already picked out. At work, the guys, uh, we had a table back in where the, the, the department, the part I worked in. And so that's where everybody, not everybody, but, you know, a group of the guys would come and we'd sit and we'd, we'd talk uh, and it was tended to be the younger guys. Uh, so around lunch one time, they were they were um, the subject of living together came up. Now it had nothing to do with Ginny and I at that point. I mean, it wasn't specifically directed to us about living together rather than getting married. And it, one of the one of the other guys had been um, somewhat recently divorced, and he had a girlfriend, and you know he was going to have his girlfriend move in with him. And uh, so as they're talking about this, you know, they said, well, if she really loves you, she'll she'll live with you without being married. You know, and I thought, hmm, sounds reasonable. So, you know, one month before we're married and, you know, I have this influence of these guys at work and stuff. And I didn't have a relationship with Christ. So, you know, there was no there was no uh, there, and none of those guys were Christians. Uh, trust me on that. If they are, it sure wasn't. They weren't walking. But at any rate, um, so you know they're talking, and that, and that hmm, seems to make sense. So genius said I am. Uh, about a month before we were going to be married, uh, we already had the house, so we had a place to live, you know, and stuff, and. I suggested to my uh, then 17-year-old wife-to-be, let's not get married. Let's just live together. Well, let me tell you, that is not the thing to say a month out from your wedding. Um, Be careful. Be careful about who influences you, you know, about who it is that you're trying to follow, who it is that's influencing you.
be careful that no one takes you captive. You know, through philosophy, through empty deceit, through even your own twisted desires, be careful that no one takes you captive by those things on human tradition based on the elemental forces of the world and not based on Christ. Be careful who and what you give yourself to, who you give your loyalty to. Nothing and no one should come before your loyalty to Christ. Nothing and no one should influence you more than Christ. Nothing, no one should influence you away from Christ. Nothing and no one should influence you contrary to Christ. Be careful. Be discerning. See to it. Be careful who you let influence you. Let's pray. Father, um, we need you to be our guide. We need to walk with you. We need to live as you call us to live in everything. Some of it's easy for us. Some of it's not. And sometimes we are our own worst enemy in this. Help us to surrender to you. Help us to grow, to be stable, to be rooted, deeply rooted in you. That no one would deceive us. That we wouldn't deceive ourselves. Help us to understand, know and follow you more and more each day. And when we get knocked down, Lord, when we've made when we've made poor choices and decisions, remind us, help us to get back up and walk with you once again. We need your help. We pray with thanks in Christ's name. Amen.